kind of like the Blues Brothers. I was on a mission from God. I was going to get this rock somehow backed into the bottom of the Grand Canyon because I had rock remorse. I had rock regret. And I figured by returning the rock, I could gain a little bit of rock redemption and maybe a little bit of rock renewal. Grand Canyon, where hidden forces shape our ideas, beliefs, and experiences. And experiences. Join us as we uncover the stories between the canyon's colorful walls. Probe the depths and add your voice. Add your voice for what happens, what happens next. next at Grand Canyon. At Grand Canyon. Welcome. Okay. This is Jessica. Right? This is Emily. And this is and this. this is behind the scenery. Grand Canyon is defined by rock. The colorful layers stacked one on top of another tell a story about how the earth has changed. I'm Jesse, a park ranger in the North Rim, and today on the podcast, we bring you the story of one of those rocks. A small piece of Vishnu schist nestled near the Colorado River for perhaps millions of years until it caught the eye of one 17-year-old. It's a story of a rock leaving and returning to the Grand Canyon. It's a story of a young man becoming a ranger. It's a story of redemption. It's another story from Ranger Doug Crispin. His story begins here. Our family uh, did a family vacation to the Grand Canyon uh, where I fell in love with the canyon. I asked my parents to drop me off and leave me, which they did, and that started a, a park career. Uh, between my junior senior year in high school, I worked as a busboy at the El Tovar Hotel right on the south rim of Grand Canyon National Park. And during my time there that summer, I was able to make four backpack trips all the way to the bottom of the canyon. On one of those backpack trips, I had my eye on picking up a souvenir a rock from Vishnu Schist Formation. I knew enough about the Grand Canyon that I knew that was the oldest rock available uh, in the canyon or layers exposed. And I thought if I could pick up a Vishnu Schist rock, uh, that would be pretty cool to add to my rock collection. In the seventh grade, I had a science teacher who inspired me to learn about earth sciences, geology, and rocks. And that's how I got interested in uh, collecting uh, rocks. My parents encouraged me to start a rock collection, uh, which I did. Uh, my mother was a librarian at a local high school. She had connections with the public library in town. And she was able to arrange for, for me to display my rock collection in the local public library. In a glass case, the newspaper uh, Reporter and photographer came out, took a picture of me sitting right in front of the glass case. Uh, I was age 13. This pretty heady stuff to have my picture taken when I was just in the seventh grade, picture in the newspaper. I um, picked up that pink rock. It's about the size of an egg. I packed it out of the canyon, and I uh, just kind of hung on to it over the years. I kind of lost interest in, in collecting uh, rocks and in high school became more interested in body surfing and auto mechanics and backpacking and other interests. Um, 
But for some reason, I hung on to this uh, rock as I got rid of all the rest of my rocks in my rock collection. Doug's summer working at the Altavar started him on the path to becoming a career park ranger. The rock from the bottom of Grand Canyon followed him as he moved from park to park, first as a summer seasonal, then as a permanent ranger. It traveled with him to 13 different national parks before he and his wife settled down in Oregon. 20 years after I worked at the Grand Canyon, I was living in Oregon. I would married a former park ranger. We would moved to Oregon, started a family, and our son was a year and a half old. And I decided to create a time capsule for his second birthday. For Christmas, I sent out empty envelopes to all four of his grandparents who were still alive. Uh, My wife and I had an empty envelope each, and we had a couple of months to decide what treasures and items we wanted to put into our personal envelopes, which would be locked into our son's time capsule on the occasion of his second uh, birthday. And I remember a few of the things I'd put in there, my college ponytail that I'd cut off, my draft card from the Vietnam War era, a marathon medal, and I had also put in that uh, Grand Canyon rock uh, in there. We sealed up the time capsule. It sat on the shelf of our son's bedroom for the next 16 years. And when he graduated from high school and turned 18, we called for a gathering of the clan, and we were going to open up our son's uh, time capsule, uh, which we did. And it was a grand occasion. I notified the television and the print press, and people came from six, seven different states, and we had a great time opening up uh, the time capsule. Uh, I took custody of all of the contents of the time capsule as my son went away to college, later became a world traveler, living twice in Thailand, uh, in Germany, and currently living in Japan. The rock, accompanied by Doug's college ponytail and the other time capsule contents, sat on a shelf in the garage. It wasn't until the spring of 2021, when Doug was organizing his things and getting ready to return to the Northrum for the summer, that he rediscovered the time capsule. He was immediately drawn to the small pink rock. As he picked it up, the memories came flooding back. There was also something new. And then as I held that rock in my hand, I I thought back to my career as a a career park ranger, uh, thinking about the many times that I have experienced uh, kids primarily that would walk into my ranger station or my visitor center and proudly showing me their treasure that they had found in the park. Treasures like a freshly picked flower, a pine cone, a live lizard, a shiny rock, things like that. And it was my job as the attendant park ranger to uh, somehow give them an educational message, message. Yes, that's a beautiful flower that you have there, young lady, but really you shouldn't pick up rocks, you shouldn't pick up flowers, you shouldn't pick up pine cones and whatnot. Uh, Those are all protected items. It's a very pretty flower you have there, but uh, please put it back where you found it. It was difficult, but it was a duty that um, park rangers across America have to do regularly. In fact, yesterday, uh, in my duties, I saw a woman picking flowers in the meadow, and I had to go remind her, uh, those are nice flowers. Take all the photographs you want, 
uh, but please don't pick the flowers and put them back where you, where you found them. So here I am, uh, a career park ranger with a rock from the bottom of the Grand Canyon, and I started to uh, develop a, a little bit of uh, guilt and, and remorse over uh, having that uh, rock. But it wasn't my rock. I did have to uh, contact my son in Japan and ask permission uh, if I could return that rock to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Um, I, I explained that, you know, I gave it to you as the second generation. It was part of my really cool rock collection when I was a kid, but it was good intentions, but a bad idea and illegal. I would like to return it. And so he was on board for that. He said, sure, go ahead. I think that's a good, a good uh, cause. So uh, then I developed a mission. I was on a mission, kind of like the Blues Brothers. I was on a mission from God. I was going to get this rock somehow backed into the bottom of the Grand Canyon because I had rock remorse. I had rock regret. And I figured by returning the rock, I could gain a little bit of rock redemption and maybe a little bit of rock renewal. Put it back. Put it back to where it once Put the rock back, son. Doug brought the rock with him when he returned to the Northern for the summer. At the beginning of each season, Rangers sit down with their supervisor and discuss their long-term and short-term goals. Typically, uh, young up-and-coming Rangers say, you know, I want to be chief Ranger someday. I want to be park superintendent in 10 years. I'd like to be park director in 20 years or something like that. But my goals were a little odd, I guess. I, I, I revealed my plan to my boss. I said, I have this rock I, I picked up 52 years ago, and I'm on a mission to return it back into the bottom of the Grand Canyon. If I can do that, I feel I've had a successful season. And I thought she, she probably thought, well, that's kind of a weird uh, goal and objective, but, uh, you know, I was just keeping it real and being honest uh, with her. So I, uh, she was one of the few people I shared my, my plan uh, with. And uh, my plan was to try to get in shape and hike that rock back down into the canyon on a long weekend if I could do it. Uh, but I kept my plan on the down low uh, for two reasons. Uh, one, I, I had a friend of mine. I know if I shared it with him, his reaction would, would be, uh, dude, it's just a rock. Why bother? It's no big deal, man. Just let it go. Forget about it. You're making a big, too big a deal out of it. So I definitely didn't want to share it with that friend. And the other thing I had on my mind, it's, it's not easy, you know, at my age, to make it all the way to the bottom of the Grand Canyon from the North Rim side. Uh, it's even harder. So I, I didn't want to announce my plan and, and uh, not be able to um, achieve that, that goal. So I did keep it on the down low. Hiking in Grand Canyon is hard. To get to the Colorado River from the North Rim and back requires hiking nearly 30 miles with more than 12,000 feet of elevation change. Temperatures can be extreme, from highs near 120 degrees at the river to lows in the teens on the North Rim. It is extremely important that hikers choose the right season an itinerary that is suitable to their fitness and experience, and train for their trip. Fortunately for Doug, the best place to prepare for hiking in Grand Canyon is Grand Canyon. So in the ensuing months working on the job, I did some patrols on the job, lots of hiking after work and on weekends. I logged over 80 trail training miles, including four long day hikes into the Grand Canyon. And about a month later, I figured I'm in shape. I think I can try this. 
a report to the backcountry office, secured a three-day uh, backpacking permit, loaded up my pack, including my uh, Grand Canyon rock, and headed down the canyon. Uh, the first day, I hiked six and a half miles and down 4,200 feet, set up camp for two nights, a place called Cottonwood Camp, halfway between the North Rim and the Colorado River and Phantom uh, Ranch. The day two was the big challenging day of my uh, trip. My plan was to wake up early uh, with a day pack only and hike about a 15-mile round trip all the way to the Colorado River and then back to my Cottonwood camp, which I, I left shortly after four in the morning. And by seven, I was at a Phantom Ranch, which is not on the river. It's a, it's a short distance upstream from the river. But there I rested and recovered. I wrote a couple postcards. And then I threw my day pack on again. I said, you know, I have to make it all the way to the Colorado River. And boom, as soon as I saw and heard the river and smelled the Colorado River, it brought me back 52 years to when I was a kid and first hiked to the bottom of the canyon. I got really excited at that point. I pulled the rock out of my pack. I wandered over towards the Silver Bridge, one of the two foot bridges across the river, uh, pondered the history of the rock, and I gave it a big toss and threw it down towards, not into the river, but down towards uh, the river. And I said goodbye to the rock, and I felt great. It felt wonderful. Uh, if it's possible to have a sweaty pack and hiking uh, over in over 100 degree temperatures, you know, I floated all the way back to Cottonwood Campground. I just felt like I'd done the right thing, and it, it felt great. And I was back in Cottonwood Camp, hung out in the creek the rest of the day, read a book, hung out in camp, and I said, my mission was partially accomplished. I still had to make it out of the canyon. 52 years later, back at the Grand Canyon with that very special stone. Hiked it to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Then he put that rock back home. So I've spent my final night at Cottonwood Campground. There's no, no tent. I slept on top of my sleeping bag. I woke at four in the morning. Uh, the moon was up. I started up trail with my red headlamp on, but after a short five or 10 minutes, I turned that off. I got completely accustomed to the moonlight hiking, had the whole canyon to myself that early, and I was singing Cat Stevens, um, being followed by a moon shadow all the way up the trail until the sun uh, came up. I was still floating on air, and I made it back to my cabin by about uh, nine in the morning, uh, grabbed a shower, uh, cooked up the pizza, and I celebrated. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. The rock that had weighed so heavily on Doug was back where it belonged. But Doug's mission was always about more than just the rock. And then I started thinking about this, uh, reflecting on, on my mission, you know, the rock redemption story. And are there any life lessons 
to be learned from this. And I can say from a personal point of view, yes, there are uh, several. And the most obvious uh, life lesson is don't pick up any natural or cultural items in the national park. They're all protected by law. Uh, Leave everything that you find where it is. And I wouldn't have gotten this predicament all these years later. And uh, the other thing I thought about is uh, it's never too late or you're never too old to do the right thing in life. If it's the right thing to do, then do it. Who cares how old you are? And then the bigger picture understanding I think I gained from this uh, story was try to make it through life with a minimal amount of regrets. Uh, You hear stories all the time of of people who have a falling out with a family member or a friend, and they never have a chance to reconnect with that person. And uh, you have to carry around the weight of that uh, unfulfilled, undone business on your mind uh, for the rest of your life. So the biggest takeaway from this story for me is uh, don't, don't have any undone business. Uh, Do you have a thank you uh, that has been left unsaid? Is there somebody who has influenced you, an influential person that maybe you haven't sat down and and told them that you appreciated what they did for you, uh, their inspiration? Um, You know, is there an apology out there that you need to make? Then uh, my question is, what are you waiting for? I would say, write that note. Say, I'm sorry. Say, I love you. Say, thanks. So basically, I'm saying, throw that rock. Because, dude, it's more than just a rock in your life. And I can guarantee you this. If you throw that rock, if you live your life with a minimal amount of regrets, uh, you will feel great uh, inside for the rest of your life. Uh, My name is Ranger Doug. I'm a summertime ranger at the north rim of Grand Canyon National Park, and this is my story of rock redemption. Thanks to Doug for sharing his story and for writing the parody song, Put It Back, with apologies to Paul McCartney. Behind the Scenery is brought to you by the interpretation team at Grand Canyon National Park. Audio production is by Wayne Hartlerode, with music by Doug Crispin, Hannah Veltkamp, Brian Lozano, Mike Barmazel, Anna Stevenson, and Wayne Hartlerode. We gratefully acknowledge the Native peoples on whose ancestral homelands we gather, as well as the diverse and vibrant Native communities who make their home here today. Let's do it.